Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Here at 3 Triple RFM, we've just kicked off into the afternoon. You know what? We're absolutely delighted that you thought you'd either stop on by or just remain in the house um, across from me. I'm looking at the redoubtable, the fabulous Carl Chapman. Good morning, Cam. Good afternoon. Good day to you, Always just sir. catch me on the cusp of midday. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, it, it's one of those things. And also, we've been blinded by brilliance as we we've, uh, we've changed over in the studio. Acknowledgement must be made to the scientists and uh, their rather incredible guests that they had. His name is... Peter Hitchner. The Hitch. Um, wow. And, you know, I think it's just wonderful that someone who has such a, a, a high and um, admired place in media, you know, the mainstream newsreader, just between you and I, is such a fanboy of A, science, which I think is just great, don't you? Well, yes. I mean, I was listening to the interview on my cycle ride up and uh, oh, yeah? just hearing yeah. him talking passionately about not just obviously the the early days of the Apollo program but also um, you know even more recently the that uh, rocket going up to knock off the um, the, the asteroid and te- you know do a bit of an experiment there I mean just following all that stuff in so much detail um, I thought was wonderful because and and even so far as you know when um, uh, dr. Shane has all the PhD students so you know he's uh, such a fan, and I remember having him on probably 25 years ago or something like that, a long time ago. And again, he was just, he was sort of excited to talk about food. I don't know what angle I was able to sort of coerce him in, but he was far more interested in fanboying Dr. Andy. So, bravo to, uh, to Dr. Shane and co uh, for such... A uh, marvellous interview. As I said, you are on 3 RFM. you know that, but uh, we really would love to say, make yourself at home. It's the, uh, it's the afternoon. If you're driving in the car, well, hopefully we'll make your drive a little bit more informative and nice that's, uh, that's coming up. We do have two guests today, and they're both phoners, one from around Melbourne, the other one way out in Lake's Entrance. But before we do that, I need to uh, just look back and and say uh, I was in one of my favourite places in the world, which was trekking into Gippsland. And uh, over the weekend, I was at the Menion Garlic Festival. And uh, it was such a good time. had a a great time. uh, Helped out with some good cooking demonstrations. I was emceeing in in the tent, so... Doing probably what I, I love best, which is, you know, supporting great chefs and talking to them about food and stuff in front of a, a really, really great audience who, uh, let's face it, we're still, you know, coming out of lockdown. Uh, one of the highlights for me was meeting uh, Gab and Chris from Sailor's Grave Beer. You heard of them, Carl? Um, 
I haven't, but uh, you can tell us more. Oh, uh, just think boutique brewery, right? Orbos, you know, way, 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 way out there. And uh, we hadn't seen each other because of COVID and things like that uh, since the Orbos show that had happened in 2019. So it was. Yeah, really, really good to catch up. And oh, and also, mention must be made to uh, a, a, a place that um, I stayed, uh, Kirkhouse uh, Estate, in um, around Berries Creek, and uh, a little B and B, uh, and they looked after me so well, and and we just got along. Like a house on fire to to Jeremy and Julie, who have this beautiful house on a hill with hundred year old trees on it. Um, big thanks to them. So yes, what have we got? There's a couple of things that um, I'd love to talk to you about. One, I just want to reiterate on, if I may. Let's see. Let's get my pages up that uh, allows me to do that. First of all, um, if you Get in the car right now. Um, you could be part of um, what is called Australia's hottest weekend. Uh, 18th, 19th of March, that's confirmed. That is today, yes. It is indeed. Uh, the Herb and Chili Festival is on. We had uh, the guy, um, the uh, person who was putting it on last year, and it sounds like a really, really well-run thing. Uh, it's not that far away. You can look it up online. Just look uh Herb and Chili Festival. It's in uh, 125 Quail Road, Wandon. So, yeah, it's doable. And uh, a small amount of money to get in. Um, if you want to stock up on herbs and um, and potted chilies, uh, there are thousands of them because this is a property that pro- is mainly does propagation and growing. Uh, but it's um, it's a really, really fun time. So, you know, there's bands and probably a chili-eating competition, you know, all that sort of stuff. You can imagine it, yeah? Have you done one of those, Cam? A chili-eating competition? Mm. No, but um, uh, Simon, our very own Simon from, from here, has oh, done one. I- and we did an interview, and it was one of the most compelling interviews I've, I've ever ever done. It mm. really was, and it was it was pretty much just me going, "Wow!" And 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 then what happened? And you know, so I go, yes. "Well, then I got to number number four, and I couldn't feel my feet." You know, that that sort of thing. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you remember it? Yeah. It was yeah. that, it was that was some of the best radio. And that was just also thanks to Simon's great ability um, at description. And if I could just do a little uh, change, the place that I was talking about is Knockwood Estate. Knockwood Estate, Berries Creek. Um, sorry, my brain got got twisted. The other one thing that I wanted to just mention, if I could be so bold... Um, is the uh, the fact that uh, last week we had Melissa Brower on. Um, I don't expect that you you heard last week's show, but um, Melissa, fabulous talent, but and also known as the Prosecco Queen. Mm. 
You're a fan of Prosecco? I, yes. It's good. Yeah. you have a preference between Prosecco and Champagne? I don't know I have a preference. I'd probably drink Prosecco more. But... Yeah, me too. I mean, if someone would offer me a, you know, a bottle of Krug or Dom Perignon, I'd go, well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, mainly I drink Prosecco now too. The, just the fact that I love the fruitiness of it, you know, that apple and pear sort yeah. of thing. A little bit less alcohol. Well, you'll be delighted to know that um, all things celebrating um, Prosecco is going to be happening next Saturday, the 25th of February. We mentioned it last week, Melissa came on, but I just thought I'd give it another plug uh, to maybe direct some that might have been prevaricating about mm. going to. Is what it? is it? It's, it's on at um, uh, the Abbotsford uh, Convent. Specifically on the North Laundry and Mercator, Mercator Lawn. Is that named after the guy that did the projection of Earth? That's really strange, isn't it? Anyway, the Mercator Lawn. It's a beautiful lawn and I think the perfect location. Yes, thank if, you. If the sun is shining. Yes. Um, and um, it's uh, if you go to... Uh, I think there's Abbotsford Convent to find out about it. And also, if you look up uh, Prosecco Festival, Melbourne, that will come up. It's about $65. Uh, There are still tickets available. Thought we'd just, um, you know, make mention of that if we could. So uh, get on over to that. We're going to be talking to Kath Claringbold quite soon and um the greatest thing that ever happened to a carrot <laughs> just leave that hang <laughs> shall you yeah there you go that's that's my that's my that's, that's my teaser yeah <laughs> foreshadowing yeah yeah um but before um we we do that um i wanted to uh, to talk to you about something that has occurred and um, something that has, even though Easter is fast approaching, they say that this is um, an event that happened that possibly could have ruined Easter completely for a lot of people living in the UK. And I'm, I am just absolutely delighted that it's you that I'm talking to. I've seen this story, yeah. Yes. You know where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we need to talk about a ne'er-do-well, yeah? A miscreant. A miscreant. A man of no fixed address, apparently. His name is Jobby. Or Joby. I'm going Joby. I'm thinking of it as like a house elf at um, at Hogwarts. Joby Pool, 1930. Oh, sorry, uh, 32 years old. This miscreant has been arrested and charged with criminal damage and theft after being apparently stopped on the M42. I've no idea whereabouts the M42 is in the scheme of of uh, the in, UK or England. In the middle. In the middle, is it? Yeah. North to the north? Yeah, near Birmingham. Near Birmingham. Oh, right. Okay, that's it. And um, what has happened is basically this man, Jobby, Shall we call him Jobby? 
Sure. Okay. Jobby had an idea. He thought, I know how a real get rich, you know, rich scheme. And um, he stole 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs um, before he was um, captured, charged, convicted. It all happened in a lightning. Like, this mm. is really, really fast, the, the, the way that it all happened. And um, and he'll probably be going into the slammer. They reckon maybe he could get two years for this. I'm trying to think of some puns. <laughs> my... Don't worry. There's a few coming. Don't worry. I've got it covered, all right? This is the whole idea. Now, yeah, with this crime, which is sort of, you know, vaguely amusing and also when you uh, – uh, I don't know if, how good you are at imagining things, but I have a real trouble trying to imagine 200,000 cream Easter eggs. So these are the ones with the cream filling, not the little tiny... No, not the little tiny ones. ones. They're right. the ones about the size of... Um, a normal egg. Yeah, maybe. A, yeah, yeah a, a, a normal smallish egg. Yeah. And I don't know, 200,000, what do we reckon? It's more than... How would you? How many would you fit in this studio? I have no idea whether it's one or two of these. But oh my god, the 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 English press just went crazy. The international press went completely nuts and uh, just pushed the pun button uh, relentlessly. Just you know, until it nearly broke off. Uh, can I give you uh, some of the examples, uh, please? Let me start off with um, Thieves. This was from uh, News.com, actually, The Sun. So The Sun wrote, Thieves steal 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs before cops manage to crack the case. Oof. Boom. Uh, they go on. Police said that the extravagant theft was carried out in a vehicle presumably purporting to be the Easter Bunny. Um, they added the stolen sweets were worth around £40,000. It's about $70,000 Australian. And uh, hailed officers' efforts saying that they had saved Easter which is great. The Mercia, Mercia Police. They must have been worth more than that. A cream egg has to be what... A pound these days. So if there's how many eggs? Two hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh, no, it's gone down actually. They, they anyway. They were well around about forty forty grand. <clears throat> Shropshire Fire and Police uh, Fire and Rescue Services Mark Drayton Station Mark Drayton's replied to news the hall had been recovered, telling police excellent work uh, by all involved. Uh, here we go. This is another article came out. A man who stole 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs convicted. Uh, that came through a couple of days ago. man who stole 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs uh, caused a panic about Easter. has been given in court. Apparently, Poole was surrounded by a mountain of the foil-wrapped chocolate when police caught up with him at the weekend. Recognising he was foiled too. Eh? 
I yeah. see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, not me. Not <laughs> me. He surrendered to officers with his hands up. Uh, the vehicle was stopped on the M42. Again, he said they probably saved Easter. Uh, people talking about ex- extravagant thefts. Um, and presumably no yoke. Uh, no, no, it wasn't a yoking matter. Hmm. Um, he's expected to be jailed for about two years next month for his sweet tooth related crimes. I'm just curious as to, you know, I, I think in terms of the volume, we know that it filled up an entire truck. He just he took a tractor unit in, hooked it up, and, and hauled it away. But, you know, do you just get down the pub and say, hey, mate, I've got some. Uh... Want to buy a warm egg? <laughs> hey? Yeah. Yeah, you, you like eggs, do you? At least it was winter. They wouldn't have melted. Oh, my God, yeah. And um, uh, let me see. If, I'll, I'll see if I can just find a, a couple more. There was a couple excellent work all involved. Uh, criminal charges of theft. Um, extravagant theft. Yeah, chocolate stuff trailer. Some people said it was an organised um, criminal matter. Uh, and um, pull from West Yorkshire, previously uh, convicted of theft. He's, he's like he's you know he's done this stuff before, not with the eggs. Uh, handling stolen goods and driving while disqualified in 2019. The Guardian reports he is expecting to be sentenced in March the 14th. Anyway, um, I guess the uh, the thing was uh, they just haven't let up. Uh, with the uh, <laughs> these terrible, terrible, uh, terrible puns that have been happening, and the other thing that I thought it might be interested in, um, oh, you know, just maybe having a, a, a thought of, is um, uh, the fact that you know there is a, a hierarchy in jail. You know, mm-hmm. someone comes in, new boy. You know, hey, what are you in for? What, what do you think? How what do you think that fits on the uh, the hierarchy of <laughs> of crimes? Do you reckon you get much respect for that? No, I think it'd be seen as pretty pretty low on, pretty the, low. on the old pecking order, huh? Yeah, definitely. Mm. It was was pecking a pun there as well in terms of eggs. I gave it a go. Very good. Gave it a go. Gave it a go. <laughs> Whoopsie. Hello. On the line we have Kath Claringbold. Hello, how are you, Cam? I'm most well. By way of introduction, uh, Kath Claringbold is um, um, in in early days part of uh, getting us to reevaluate and uh, embrace Middle Eastern cuisine and all those flavours. And I guess we could probably say that was with the work that uh, you did quite a while ago now with uh, Greg Malouf, yeah? That's right. It's a long time ago. I actually can't remember how far back that is, but um, I, it was in the 90s somewhere. Yes, um. in, in the <laughs> 90s. And, um, and, of course, that um, culminated in, um, in you helming uh, a place called... It was, it was Mecca that uh, was in it, South Bank? That's correct. So Mecca was first. And first, then, and then, then the Mecca, offshoot, yeah, Mecca Bar. Mecca Bar. Which yeah. which did, then went down there to Docklands and um, 
you, for me personally, Kath, you uh, you have a great place in my heart because, well, first of all, you're a fabulous human being. That's a, and uh, but I I still remember a dinner, and it's it's weird that it's decades ago now, and uh, I'm just looking across at Carl because he's I've, his eyebrows just came up and went oh he's interested <laughs> I've got him. The lamb tagine. There was a lamb tagine that you did to me, and I could not have thought of anything more perfect that I ate with the balance, the flavours, uh, and everything, and especially a Martinborough uh, Reserve Pinot that went with it. And it was one of those great dining room moments that you know it's uh, it stuck with me. Oh, that's so that's so kind, and that. That lamb tagine was very popular. God, it was good. Um, at at Meckert Southgate, I'd, I'd say it was probably twenty five percent of sales. Yeah, know, well, and so it, was, it should have been. But but it then, um, yes, yeah, sorry. Yep. Oh no, no, no! It no, well, it was just a very popular dish. And it was, um, uh, and uh, the uh, the spice mixture that you had in that was just amazing. Thank you. It Thank really, you. really was. Very but, much. but then, and I can't remember whether it went uh, with it or that it. Um, this was a later incarnation. Uh, you invented something which, um, you know, I sort of in a hackneyed way sort of just say, well, actually, a very over the top way, Kath. And excuse me for my intro. my hyperbole, Yeah, the greatest <laughs> thing. That has ever happened to a carrot. And now Carl has got his arms folded and he's going, oh, yeah. Uh, now, and an eyebrow lift as well uh, <laughs> with what on earth was that? And the, the reason I thought I'd reach out to you with this was um, a couple of weeks ago, Matt was on the show and he lives in South Melbourne and, and, and there's a little bit of sad little sting in the tail of this story and the fact that Matt came to the studio by way of a food bank and we are in a time of great economic peril and a lot of economic peril for a lot of people and a lot of food insecurity with a lot of people And, um, and Matt said I could not believe it but I saw a line of people that went around the food bank and down the block. There you go. Yeah, Just really let that, let that sink in. One. And I was in um, shopping under the fluorescent lights and uh, I was looking myself at the, at the horrendous prices of food that are happening now and I thought to myself, now what, what is the cheapest sort of vegetable that you can get? And, of course, the first thing I thought of was, the very, very humble carrot because they're, you know, they're everywhere. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do with carrots? That's nice, you know. <laughs> and my mum used to do a mustard glaze, which is, that's okay, you know. Um, French mustard, uh, brown sugar, that sort of profile. And then, like a Madeleine, like a, like a Proustian, Madeleine hitting me like remembrances of carrots <laughs> past... I remembered the best carrot recipe I ever had in my life. And I defer to you. A little bit of vinegar. Pretty simple. A bit of uh, just a little smattering of black olives. I give to you 
Tunisian carrot salad. And, Kath, can you tell us a little bit about it and maybe just take us through the recipe? I can, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in the country. I grew up in Bacchus Marsh, and um, I was raised on homegrown vegetables, so mm. carrots, which is something I plucked out of the ground literally after school. I love them. I've always loved them. Mm. And, you know, Middle Eastern food explores... There's lots of vegetables used through Middle Eastern food. I think that's why I love it so much. Yes. But, um, you know, this recipe is the best vehicle for carrots. It's just, it's really simple. It's full of flavour. It goes with all sorts of dishes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really simple to do. And it's not one of those ones where you need to get fancy. You don't want to go and look for a heirloom carrot, for example. It's not that sort of... <laughs> you want a nice, fleshy, simple carrot that's been that's from a farmer's market or... From a, from a from a market as opposed to a supermarket, if you can afford yes. to do that, yes, um, because fre- the freshness is really key as well. But now, what about um, size, I recommend, Kath? How big? Um, well, medium. I would go for a medium sized carrot. You know, yeah. the larger the carrot gets, the more woody it will be through the centre. Yes. Um, and a medium carrot, you know, effectively means you don't need to trim too much out. So, let's say we're going to start with about a kilo of carrots. You don't have to make that much. You can trim mm. the recipe down. Mm. I'm not sure. Are you putting that recipe up somewhere, Cam, for people to see? Yeah, we will get well, it up eventually. Um, uh, yeah, or maybe I might put it on my Instagram or something like that. But, yes, it will It will appear. I'll, um, anyway, I'll, so my recipe is, my standard recipe is a kilo of medium-sized carrots. Yes. And you peel peel the carrots and cut them into battens. Battens, whatever length you want them to be, depending on your aesthetic, it doesn't really matter. What is a a batten, just in case people don't know what that is? A a rectangular sort of shape of not, you know, so imagine it's um, maybe five, six centimetres in. Yeah, I'm bad with inches, sorry. Let's say centimetres. Let's say six centimetres. Yeah, Cal and I Um, are going, yeah, a little, yeah, there we go. (laughs) So I would cut a medium-sized carrot in into batten, so cutting it in half and then um, into quarters lengthways and then cut it into shorter pieces. Oh, that's an easy way to do it. Yeah, okay, yep. And if you get, if you find at the end of the carrot, the thicker end of the carrot's a bit woody, just maybe slice out a tiny little bit of core, of the core, just Mm -hmm. so it's not too woody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you roll them in some olive oil, season with salt and pepper Mm. and put it into a tray so that they're spread out they're not sitting on top of each other. You want them to be spread out. You know, so they've got a little so, bit of yeah, space. Yes, yeah. Yep. And then t- wraply, I'm sorry, tightly wrap the the tray with foil. And mm. that's the secret here. You that's want the, the foil secret. to be so tight. No air. You don't want any steam or anything to escape. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put them in a moderate oven um, for about a moderate, so let's say, you know, 170. depending on the heat of your oven. 170, 150 to 160 to 170, depending if it's fan force. Yes. And then cook them for about 45 minutes. Yes. Now, with all recipes and vegetables, each vegetable is different, so you need to use your common sense. But mm. um, really what you're going for is a carrot. When you when you peel that foil back, the carrot should be bright orange. And you'll and get steam that will rise out. You'll get this cloud of steam and and you've you sort will. of you've actually sort of sweated them, haven't you? It's sort of like a a steaming and sweating action, and 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 they look it amazing. Is. The colour is just they extraordinary. Do, yeah. 
And you're avoiding, you don't really want them to brown or catch on the pan. So no. you want them to be just, it's like a perfectly presented carrot, nice mm. and bright and, and, and covered in oil, glistening with oil. Mm. And then you just sort of peel them back and let them rest in the tray. Just let them hang out until they're um, down to room temperature. Yep. And then all you do is make a vinaigrette from harissa. If you make your own harissa, then that's amazing. I do a big batch of harissa and put the, you know, because it's, you know, a little bit of work. So I, I put my harissa into ice cube trays and then pull them out as I need them for whatever mm -hmm. I'm cooking. Yep. But I'm making a little vinaigrette with harissa and some olive oil and some white wine vinegar. And I'm going to toss the carrots. And you can add as much harissa as you like if you want it mild or... Or hot ice, or really hot. you, and yeah. then, or really hot, and then um, I'm going to add some Kalamata olives, or it could be, you know, any sort of beautiful, fleshy olive. You know, you want not some nice flesh there, mm. and then um, simply washed parsley leaves and coriander leaves, just picked and washed, and then all tossed together, and it's just so beautiful. It's a great, it's great for this time of year, but it also works in the winter. You know, I add quinoa and all sorts of things to that mm. combination and i just i love it and it's really cheap to make yeah and the the other thing i thought i might add too is that um the the international aisle of the supermarkets supermarkets are much maligned and i'm happy to malign them uh on this show <laughs> but uh, also acknowledgement has to be made as to how strong that um that international aisle has grown in our lifetimes, and uh, if yeah, you look, good, yeah, if you look around, you'll you will now always see like a little toothpaste tube in a box for Harissa, and then that tube is not expensive. It's around about a, a a dollar something or other. Like it's it's doable, and yeah. um, and that's the whole thing about this highly nutritious, delicious. Um, salad that uh, will, as you say, goes with so many things. You pair it with chicken, you can have it with, like with your roast cauliflower. Imagine roast cauliflower with yeah. that. That would go well with that. It is so delicious and so lovely. So, um, yeah, there it is, folks, the Tunisian carrot salad. Yum. <laughs> you should try it. You should try it. It's yeah. really good. Now, before we let you go, it is 12.37. We've um, uh, maybe got a couple of minutes, but uh, uh, to also let the listeners know that, um, you know, uh, leaving the, the world of uh, cooking uh, Middle Eastern flavours and food, you have uh, uh, hitched your wagon to the sweeter side of things. You know, uh, Willy, I have. Willy Wonka with a lab coat is how I often describe your partner, Darren Purchase. Uh, I married a pastry chef. I yeah. have no choice. I know, what, but what a what a beautiful human being he is, and he uh, is. you have that uh, the Lily, the Willy Wonka lab. Birchin Purchase is the real name <laughs> uh, down there in Chapelli Street in the. Wow, the the very high rise area that it is now. Uh, but it is. It's very different. Twelve years on. Yeah. God, it's changed. And you're doing um, some special things, but not so much Easter eggs, which got stolen. No cream, Cadbury cream eggs here. Uh, yeah, I hope, by that, I hope Jobby. that. I hope that guy's hatching out a plan. A, to, get out of jail to, to escape. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> exactly. He, he could escape. Yeah, but- Carl's shaking his head. But no, none of that. What are you, do, what are you guys doing for Easter? Um, we love Easter. You know, every year we try and do something a little bit different. This year we're sort of focusing on um, a pimped-up range of our much-loved cakes, and we'll do some Easter eggs wow. on top of them. So you'll have a beautiful table centrepiece. And, um, yeah, that's that's what we're sort of going for this year. It's always fun, always trying to do something different. I'm sure we'll be doing our bunny behind little cakes, which are always really popular. Yes. Um, it's a, the, the finish is a you know, bunny tail sticking out of the ground. Mm. They're really cool. But, yeah, hot cross buns. I love Darren's hot cross buns. They're sort of an old-school bun, and they're super light and fluffy, and the people who know them really love them. So we look forward to, first of all, starting to test those in the next week or so because we have to eat a few to make sure they're okay, and then we'll get them up on the menu it's and start selling them. So, it's, it's called, yeah, it's, I love Easter buns. It's called research, darling. It. Research. It, it is. And it and, is and, and can I actually, if I was wearing a hat, I'd be taking it off to you because, um, at the very worst, I, I saw my first hot crust bun. Here we go. I can malign the supermarkets again after giving them some praise. Boxing Day. <laughs> On Boxing yeah, no, Day, I saw a hot crust bun and I said that is just not being a religious person, <laughs> but I was still appalled by that. Anyway, it's sad. We've had, we've had requests already. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, like, a, no, bit, it's back a bit off. too much. You know, we hadn't, we hadn't even been through Valentine's Day when that, those requests came through. Well, it's I like, think traditionally... <laughs> one thing at a time. Yeah, and traditionally you're only supposed to have them... I think the Friday before Good Friday and the Friday Good Friday to Good Friday is when hot cross buns will be done. But anyway, Birchin Purchase uh, down there, Chapel Street. Uh, remember, Tunisian carrot salad. Uh, we've given you the bare bones, the most important thing, carrots in batons, around about 150 to 65 degrees fan forced, maybe 170 if not, tightly foiled, uh, three quarters of an hour, and then you make a, just a really, really sharp vinaigrette with harissa and lots of, uh, well, as much as uh, of the flat leaf parsley and coriander and a little bit of calamata roll is just torn up, and it's a delight. Thank you. Thank you for your creativity, Kath, and I love you guys, and uh, big hug. Thanks, Cam. Great to talk to you. Nice to meet you, Carl. See you later, guys. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Kath. Always good. Hello, this is Peter Hitchener from National 9 News. Edith, always good news to me. (laughs) Uh, Well done. There he is from, uh, that's probably about 25 years ago when he was on the show. Thank you for digging that up, Carl. It's really, really kind of you. We go now uh, across the ranges. Uh, Well... Uh, we go past where I was um, just yesterday, Minion, and keep on going until we get to the glorious place that is Lakes Entrance. And uh, on the line I have Nick Baluk. Cam, how are you? Mate. I'm better for What's that, Well, I was just sort of uh, thinking about how great it is going to Lakes Entrance. And, uh, and you know... Some cities sort of, you know, or little towns reveal themselves, you know, just like, oh, yeah, there it is, you know. Like maybe if I'm unkind, Bairnsdale, you just sort of arrive, you come through the, you know, and you're in Bairnsdale before you know it. 
Lake's entrance, there's something special about how you climb up that sort of hill and you go round some corners and then, boom! Coming down Kalimna Hill Cam brings a tear to my eye every time I do it. Does it? That's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful, that view. Even on, a, even on a not so good day, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, place to look at. Yeah, it really, really is. And, of course, um, we've spoken to you uh, uh, before, and the reason I've got you on the line is, uh, well, first of all, just to find out what is happening at your restaurant, which is called Soda Fish, but by the proximity that your restaurant has to, well, most of the seafood that comes into the Melbourne markets, um, it's just a good excuse to talk about seafood and fish and availability in general. So, first of all, soda fish. For those that have never been there, what on earth is that about? What a stupid name. <laughs> I thought it was quite good when we were making no, it. No, no, I'm just, uh, I just, I just thought I'd throw some provocations, but I know with, with you, you just sort of laugh them off anyway. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's all, it's all about the batter, isn't it? Soda fish. Soda fish is about the batter. We started yeah. our um, sourdough mother on the on the first day of testing at Soda Fish. Yeah, and it's still the same one going. And all we do is with that, we add. Just regular old plain flour, and we keep feeding it with that and water, and then we let it down with soda fish to give it a nice bubble and crunch when we fry it. Does it got a name? The batter. Yeah, the batter. Or the, the, the mother. The mother. Uh, we have a name, actually. It's probably, probably due for a name. Well, there, there was one in, you know, the famous Bourdain novel, which... Mm. Um, which I think is the opening line of the actual novel, but um, it's not maybe something that we can we can actually mention on the radio without putting on a beep or, you know, Carl is going to raise his eyebrows and go, did you really need to say that, Cameron? You didn't need to. Uh, but, yeah, maybe a nice name could be, could be good for it. But here's this place... Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pontoon that um, two stories... And it's and, just yeah, a... and we and we serve all the local fare basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have we got at the moment? We, you know, the prawns are running at the moment. The little sweet school prawns from Lake's Entrance, the best the best prawns on uh, on planet Earth, I, I believe. I've They're actually I've out. actually joined a whole bunch of chefs, and I remember we uh, we were uh, in the in the inlet with our, with our torches and our nets. Catching prawns. And what a great activity. I, no, well, I think it, we kind of thought it was, but I think the guys on the trawler were just laughing their heads at us of these <laughs> loopy, you know, Melbourne chefs uh, that were in there. I think Frank Camorra was there. Matt Wilkinson was there. It's a few footy seasons ago. And, um, in Lake's entrance, was it? Yeah, and there might have been oh, some yeah. rum involved as well. <laughs> it was pretty, it was a funny night. There usually is. Yeah. <laughs> There's usually something involved. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but, yeah, they're, gee, they're sweet. So they're oh, running, so yeah? Sweet. Yeah, they're running at the moment, so they're in good supply. You might have seen a few coming through the markets, but they usually don't make it, to be honest. They sort of Well, you snavel them all up. <laughs> we don't snap them all up, but yeah. a lot of them just sell them off the boats, you know, to the yeah. to the locals yeah. and the tourists that come through. And if they've got surplus, they send them down. But you know, mm. the locals get looked after first. Well, and so that should be, you know, that's yeah. uh, that 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 kind of makes sense. So uh, mm. uh, the prawns are running because we are the in. Prawns are running. This is a, a midsummer thing, and if we're looking at a, 
if there is sort of a seasons to uh, uh, to things. I know, like if we talk oysters, um, I don't know if the oysters are at the. Could we say they're probably uh, be a, a fair comment to say they are not at their peak flavour now? Yeah, you you would say so, especially yeah. in the Pacific. They've spawned and or they've spawning in the hotter weather and mm. they haven't got much condition on them. But if if you go to the estuaries, you can always sort of pick up a rock oyster that's in fairly good condition, depending on where it's grown. Mm-hmm. That's that's the beauty of them, I think. And all up and down that coastline, there's somewhere where they're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But, that's oyster. We're using them out of marimbula at the moment. They're not. They're not too bad, you know. Well, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, Buckley's oysters. This uh, whop and go. No, I'm not using whop and goes. <laughs> <laughs> James oysters are beautiful, but they're uh, they're they're harder to get your hands on than you think, and yeah, you pay a premium for them. Too. Well, they're they're 100 percent organic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's real. Oyster. That's real because it is. It, it is. Yeah, just yeah. so because and we haven't got time to do that. Hey, can you hang on the line a little bit because uh, Carl's looking at me saying we just got to pay a little bit more rent, and I reckon we'll get rid of that, and then we can come back and talk about the fish that are great at the moment. Love it. Beautiful. And Triple R is where you are right now. Um, uh, before you get back to Nick, hang two secs there, buddy. Uh, something's coming on the line. To... Uh, yeah, we had Shano just saying how uh, yum that recipe sounded, the carrot. Tunisian carrot salad, yeah. Which vinegar? Uh, oh, great question, Shannon. I think um, Kath might have mentioned it. She uh, obliquely mentioned a white wine vinegar. Um, you want it to be really, really sharp. So uh, white wine vinegar, if you're really, really, um, uh, you know, on your... Uh, not a lot of shekels around to throw at the thing. If you have got a little bit more money, uh, some sherry vinegar because it's sort of high acid and it'll, uh, it'll give that piquance... Uh, Thank you for texting in, Shane. Back to you, Nick. I'm still here. Mate. So what are we talking? Fish. Snapshot of fish at the moment at Sodafish? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Snapshot. Uh, what's in your net? <laughs> what's in the net? Yeah. What, we're, getting, we're seeing a little bit of uh, latchet come through or gurnet. Oh, we're yeah. using that. Yeah, we're using that in our ceviche at yep. the moment. And that's beautiful, nice and clean and 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 uh, delicate, and you know it goes goes well with just a light citrus sort of dressing on it. A bit of crunch we're using. Yeah, what's in your ceviche? Uh, just sort of a what is it, lemony dressing? A bit of finger yeah, lime look, there or something? Oh, I think we've just run out of the finger limes. But my oh, mum yeah. had, had a tree growing, and she had a cracker harvest. Oh, really? But uh, yeah. I think we've just used the last of them, to be honest. <laughs> Damn! So no, none left for your gin and tonics. <laughs> No. Well, maybe that's where they all went. Yeah, maybe maybe it was. They're also always, uh, also on an oyster, too, the finger limes. But uh, Gernot... Oh, great on an oyster. Yeah, amazing. Uh, just, it's actually, it's made for oysters, finger, because mm. the, the way it cracks open. Um, so We've got a delicious uh, squid pasta on at the moment as well. Oh, bit no. Bit of bycatch from one of the trawlers, I think, came in, and uh, Luke, our head chef's made some... Uh, some squidding uh, taglioni oh. from the uh, from the sacks, and oh. just tossed it through some olive oil. You oh. know, touch of fish stock, oh. some fresh parsley. You know, a bit of pangrattato on top. I think he's doing it. That's beautiful, fresh one at the moment. It's great. You lost and me. I just sorry. I just went off into the middle distance. Then uh, I thought we cut off. 
perfection. No, no, I just I, I was uh, hallucinating wildly with uh, thinking of that plate. I could actually see it and taste it, uh, which which sounds pretty good. Squid and yeah. pasta is just perfect together. Um, oh, also, I, I guess the, the next best thing you can do with it is. Um, uh, a, a quick deep fry with, um, you know, a little bit of flour on it and just serve it with Love a really it. simple salad, one of the great luncheon dishes of all time. What else is, is around? Uh, what are we doing? We, actually, something that's been on the menu as a bit of a staple for the last couple of months mm. is uh, a humble gummy steak, you know? And people, you know... Gummy what? Deep fry, gummy shark. steak. Steak? Yeah, gummy shark. yeah. So we're, instead of cutting them super thin, putting batter around them and frying them, which is delicious, don't get yeah, me wrong, we're, yeah. we're cutting them a little bit thicker, so just straight down the down the fillet. Yeah, da- um, a darn, you know, we'd call it. Yeah, so yeah. a darn, is that what it's called? Well, it's, I think it's French when you cut like a cross-section type thing, yeah? Oh, yeah, I like it, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we, you can we say darn good char. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we char grill it and then finish it in the pan with a little bit of uh, butter, capers, lemon juice, parsley. Oh, it's it's one of my favourite things at the moment on the menu. It is delicious. It does sound good. And um, there is a saying about gummies that. Um, uh, one of the gummies' favourite things to eat is sort of, well, I don't know how many of them are around your neck of the woods, but uh, they love uh, eating crayfish. And, yeah, well... And you, the, uh, certainly ones around Bermagui, uh are pretty much dine on crayfish, and you can taste the crayfish through the shark. Well, they, they've got the same story around Lake Sentience, right? So yeah. I'm not sure exactly, and someone's going to probably pull me up on it. Yep. It's either a full moon... The sand crabs shed ah, their shell, oh. or something like that, and they eat all the crabs, and that's yeah. when you go fishing for gummy shark. Yeah, and bad, same bad, thing. Super bad, sweet. bad time to be a crab. Yeah, <laughs> bad time to be a crab on the ninety mile beach. Oh god, the moon's up. <laughs> and the crabs are nervous. Yeah, right. Oh, that. Oh, that sounds divine. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So yep. good. So, uh, gurnard, shark, um, oysters, not so much. We've done that. Prawns yeah. are going. That's, that sounds great. Um, we're, doing a little, we're doing a King George Whiting today. Oh, not today, but at the moment. with um, We are doing it today, I think, but um, with a little, little leek puree. That's sort of, it's just super delicate. And we just lightly grill this uh, King George Whiting. It's, it's delicious. Mm. That's not, although it is a local species, the fishery, the in, Inland fishery got shut down there probably, what, three or four years ago now? And we get them from around near Meanion where you were yesterday. Really? The corner corner inlet, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And what do you mean? The, they, they shut down a fishery? Yeah, the, what do you call it? The inland fishery. The, the, yeah. the ones that they've been shutting down for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, corner yeah. inlet's the only, the only one in Victoria left. Jesus. That's the only place you can commercially fish King George Whiting. Really? Oh, well, yeah, in, inland, yeah. You may get King George in the nets offshore, but, you know, you mostly get them and, and in those inlets. Like, you, just, just help me out here. Throw me a bone, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a simple person. When you say inland fishing... Um, I'm thinking there's a lot of trees around. There's um, we're not actually inland. It's just not deep water. It's not we're blue not offshore, water, right? Yeah, yeah right. We're, we're not out past the heads. We're, ah. we're in the inlets and the not the not the estuaries so much, but yeah. you know the 
the the, the body of water before you go offshore. Gotcha. That's, so th- so that's what they, so they like it. Um, their waters uh, calm and uh, shall we say Pacific. Yeah. Well, the King George they love the weed beds, right? So they ah. have those weed beds breeding and eating, yes. you know, all that grass and all the good stuff down there. Oh, so they're a, they're a herbivore fish, are they? Mm. No, 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 sorry, excuse me. They hide in the grass and they come out and eat pippies and, oh, right, okay. you know, tiny little shrimp and okay. sandworm and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that, that sounds you can good. Ta- you can taste the grass in them. When you get a super fresh King George from Corner Inlet or wherever or Lake Centrum, you just steam it delicately or, or mm-hmm. grill it or something and really taste the flavour in it. You can you can taste the grass that it's been living in. Yeah. And I, and I reckon a really, really good, um, just a, a rule for fish is um, you really need to just pull back on the intensity of heat that you, uh, a lot of the times that you you apply to it and you'll be rewarded with a better product on your plate. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Nice, slow cooking, just setting on the bone. It's yeah. Just, yeah, beautiful. And the best way to cook fish is on the bone, you yeah. know. Just challenge yourself a little bit to eat around the bones, and you you, you won't be disappointed. You'll get a better result. It's it's just always moister. It's sweeter. always yeah, and you should always yeah. yeah always cook stuff off the bone because I feel it. You're not really sure about what you are getting, and if uh, someone wants to be uh, engaged in a bit of uh, pescatorial subterfuge, um, that's uh, they can get away if they just give you an yeah. anonymous fillet. Uh, Nick, love your work. Say hi to Luke, your uh, your young chef. Hundred um, percent. Looking forward to well, one day coming through uh, down those uh, that that road, and uh, and seeing you in situ. Make sure you drop me a line so I can see something up. Mm, yeah, well, I think we'll probably send uh, Kath and Darren there when they probably get uh, able to get through their Easter, and uh, who knows, maybe they can. Uh, well, maybe you'll have the Moroccan salad on by then too. I'll tell you what, the way you worded it up this morning, I, I, I will have it on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, a, it's a bloody ripper. It really, really yeah. is. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Ken. Nice to talk to you, mate. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Nick, my look from Sodafish in Lake's entrance. Carl. Yes, Cam, it is almost time. Pleasure seeing you, buddy. It's been a wonderful show. Thank you. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad, except for my you know, terrible puns with that egg story, but... Sometimes you just got to do it, you know? Someone did like your piscatorial subterfuge that's been liked on the text line. And someone also texted in to say, as far as the eggs go, it was all white. (laughs) I love that. All right. Uh, Thank you again, Carl. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.